0: Welcome to New City Sermon Podcast. Join us as we open God's Word to be empowered and challenged today. I am so excited to be having our fall kickoff Sunday, this Sunday, because we just got so many great things coming up this fall, and uh, and I'm excited for the places that we're going to study God's Word together. I'm excited for the spaces that we're going to have to build relationships together and grow as a church, all that Stuff is really exciting to me. But I'll be honest with you, I'm even more excited about this. I'm, I'm more excited about getting to live out our identity in Jesus Christ together. That we are the people of God. That we were rebels and sinners who were under God's judgment and wrath, but because Jesus went to the cross on our behalf, he took the full punishment for us. And now God has gone from our judge to our Father. We are no longer separated, rather we are family. And I'm excited about living that out with you this fall. I'm excited because the way that God is working in the world is through his people. He's so committed to use you and me that he puts his Holy Spirit in us. He puts his Holy Spirit in us to empower us, to live the Christian life, to give us boldness to share the gospel and to remind us daily that we, not someone else, that we are the children of God. And when you start to think about that, man, it'll blow your mind. It'll get you really excited about the good news of Jesus. And I'm excited about living that out with you this fall. My prayer for you is that you would hold on to that reality for yourself. And I think even as we look at the book of Jonah, understanding who God is, we'll, and what he's called us to in the gospel will become more clear even through the book of Jonah. So we're in the book of Jonah. We're going to start that today. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand. We'll pass out a Bible to you, and it will be on page 526 of that Bible, or around there. Maybe you have to shuffle a page or two if I didn't get it exactly. But the book of Jonah was written to the people of God 750 years ago before Jesus was born. So we're looking at a story that's almost 3,000 years old, a story about a prophet named Jonah who was given a mission by God. He was a prophet given a mission by God, and at that time all the prophets were given missions by God to go to God's people and give them a message, except Jonah. Jonah is given a message not to go to God's people but to go to the enemies of God's people. He's given a message to go to the international superpower of Assyria. And the Assyrians at that time, scholars have called them a terrorist state. These were brutal people. They were brutal to their enemies. They were violent to prisoners. They were savage to those that they enslaved. And this is the group of people that Jonah is called to go and prophesy to. He's called to go to a specific city in Assyria called Nineveh. And he's called to go to Nineveh and preach against it. He's called to walk into Nineveh and say, your evil has come before my God and you need to repent or this whole city will be destroyed. Think about that mission for a minute. That's a little bit like a Dolphins fan walking into a Buffalo Bill's pep rally and starting to say some stuff. But it's, it's, it's worse than that. It's like a Jewish rabbi walking into a Nazi stronghold with a message to repent. It's like MLK showing up at a Klan meeting with a message to turn around or else. And so we can begin to understand why Jonah is reluctant. This is a very dangerous mission that God has called him to. And let's think about this. Even if he goes to Nineveh, and he preaches and says, turn around from your evil, and they do, then he's got to go back to his own people and say, hey, the Assyrians have changed, everybody. And they go, why'd you do that? We we hate those people. Those are our enemies. And so if Jonah goes and he's unsuccessful, he'll die. If he goes and he's successful, he'll come back and be unpopular among his own people. And so we can understand why Jonah would rather just stay with his people rather than going to those people. And and this story, it's only four chapters long, but it's really a brilliant piece of literature. It's full of irony and humor. It's a story where the good guy is not actually that good, and those people who seem far from God are not far enough away from God that he can't reach them. It's where God's hand stretches Farther than expected, and ultimately it is a story about mission, mystery, and mercy. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll dive in. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this story, and we thank you for your great mercy. We pray that we might grasp who you are and how to respond to what you've done for us. And as we experience you in the word this morning, might you grow us and shape us, and transform us so we could more fully embody what it means to be your beloved people. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Jonah chapter 1, if you have the, the Bible there, it's on page 526. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because their evil has come up before me. Jonah got up to flee Tarshish from the Lord's presence. He went down the Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. But the Lord threw a great wind onto the sea. And such a great storm arose on the sea that the ship threatened to break apart. The sailors were afraid and each cried out to his God, They threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down to the lowest part of the vessel and had stretched out and had fallen into a deep sleep. The captain approached him and said, What are you doing, sound asleep? Get up. Call to your God. Maybe this God will consider us and we won't perish. Come on, the sailors said to each other. Let's cast lots. Then we'll know who is to blame for this trouble we're in. So they cast lots, and the lot singled out Jonah. And then they said to him, Tell us who is to blame for this trouble we're in. What is your business, and where are you from? What is your country, and what people are you from? He, that's Jonah, answered them and said, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of the heavens, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were seized by a great fear and said to him, What is this you've done? The men knew he was fleeing from the Lord's presence because he had told them. So they said to him, What should we do to you so that the sea will calm down for us? For the sea was getting worse and worse. He answered them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea so that it will calm down for you. For I know that I'm to blame for this great storm that is against you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they couldn't because the sea was raging against them more and more. So they called out to the Lord, Please, Lord, don't let us perish because of this man's life, and don't charge us with innocent blood. For you, Lord, have done just as you pleased. Then they picked up Jonah and they threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. The men were seized by great fear of the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. The Word of God. Amen. Man, this is a mission that makes no sense to Jonah. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, and preach against it. Because their evil has come up before me. That is the mission that God gives Jonah. Don't go to your people. Go to the people that are the greatest threat to your people. And call them to repentance. And we can begin to understand what Jonah's feeling because he's feeling something. He wants judgment for the Ninevites because they're part of the Assyrians. He doesn't even think that they need an opportunity to repent and receive mercy. But if we understand Jonah a little bit better in not just the people group that he's a part of, but his personality and some of the things that he's done personally, we'll understand a little bit more of why he's hesitant. Jonah prophesied during the King, king Jeroboam II's reign. And Jeroboam II was an evil king. And during that time, Jonah supported a military strategy to aggressively expand his country's borders. So Jonah looks at his own people and he wants more power for his nation, more influence for his people because after all, his people are God's people. And so Jonah, who wants to expand the borders of his people, is called to go beyond the borders of his people to the enemy of his people. The mission makes no sense to him. And so Jonah, a prophet, who's supposed to receive the Word of God and deliver it to others, hears the Word of God, ignores it, and runs. Jonah goes down. He goes down from Israel to Joppa, which was a port city. And there he finds this boat, and he goes down onto the boat. And he finds that the boat is going to Tarshish. Now, We're not quite sure where Tarshish was exactly because this is a 3,000-year-old story almost. But we believe it might have been in southern Spain. And if you look at point A, that's where, or point B, that's where Jonah is supposed to go. That's Nineveh. And if you look at point A, that's where he is. And if you look at point C, that's where he's going. That is the exact opposite direction in the furthest extreme possible that Jonah could go. And the language that the story is using is down to Joppa, down to the boat. And we're meant to see that Jonah is spiraling down in his spiritual state as he runs from God. As he runs from the presence of God, as he ignores the voice of God, his spiritual condition is deteriorating. And we kind of watch him and we laugh because we're like, come on, Jonah, what are you doing, man? You you know, you're a prophet. You know that you cannot run from the presence of God. You know that you can't hide from God. If If you stay in Israel, God will speak to you there. If you go to Assyria, God will meet you there. If you're in Joppa... His presence is there. If you get on a boat and you go down into the boat, he's going to find you there. If you go to Tarshish, God will show up there as well. Jonah, what are you doing? Why are you running? Are you insane? And we kind of look at Jonah and we go, man, that guy's crazy. But what do you and I do when we read the commands of God and they make no sense? What happens when God calls us to show mercy to someone who's our enemy? Do we run towards that or do we run away just like Jonah? Man, it's getting a little hot in here, isn't it? And as a people of God, we've received the mercy of God and we're called to follow God and we love God, but yet you and I still run and hide from God. Do we not? If I can just get away If I can just get a little bit of space between me and God, if I can just go down in the darkness, then maybe he won't be there. We try and avoid him. We try and ignore his commands. We pretend that he he hasn't called us to something. We ignore the fact that he has a mission for us as his people. Does that not feel a little familiar to your own heart? How about this? I sense that God doesn't want me in this relationship, but I'm going to run towards it and bury myself deeper in it, and maybe, just maybe, God's conviction won't find me. I know God wants me to love my enemy, but I'm going to run from that person so I can avoid God's command. I know I'm called to obey, but I'm going to go down, down into the darkness to avoid him. Come on, we're all there. There is... Something in not only Jonah's life, but in our hearts that hears the word of the Lord and wants to run away and hide. We're as crazy as Jonah is because there's something in us that says, if I can just hide somehow, if I can just go there, if I can just get a little space, then God will not meet me there. And yet you and I know, we know, he is going to find us. He will meet us there. In the recovery movement, they have this saying called play the tape. And what play the tape means is if you're walking in sobriety and there's something in you that says run away, run back, go back to the addiction, it'll be different this time. Just sit still and play that out in your mind. And remember what it was like last time you went to it. Was it, was it full of joy and happiness or pain and misery? Did it bring life or self-destruction? And, and I think for us, as we look at Jonah running from God, we're meant to look at our own lives and go, we've got to remember to play the tape here. We know what happens when we run and we hide from God. Where will it take us? Where will it take us if we run back to that relationship that we know we're not supposed to be in? Where will it take us if we go back to disobedience again? When we play the tape, does the tape bring us towards life or do we see pain? Is it joy or is it misery? And as we watch Jonah run and we watch what's about to unfold in his life, it's a reminder to us to play the tape. There's nowhere we can go and hide from God. And running from him only brings the destruction that we're about to see in Jonah's own life. And the funny thing is, Jonah knows the right things about God. And yet, he still runs from God. He spirals down Fleeing from God's presence, pretending that God won't catch him. And yet God does. Wherever Jonah's going to go, God will meet him there. And God meets him with mercy. Mercy. God meets him not with judgment, but mercy. But it seems like it's judgment because the way that Jonah is met is a horrific storm. It's a horrific storm. The text says that God threw a wind down on the ocean, and that wind creates this storm. And it's it's no ordinary storm. This is a massive storm. This isn't a storm where the boat goes just back and forth. It's a storm where the boat goes up and down like this. And the sailors, the sailors who are experienced men on the sea, they themselves are terrified. This is the big one. If they survive this storm, this is the one that they will talk about for decades to come. Do you remember that storm? The one where it seemed like the boat was going to break in two. The one where we didn't know what to do besides throw the cargo over the side of the boat. The one where it seemed like the boat was going to go down. And so the sailors have never seen a storm like this. And they cry out because as they see this storm and they experience, they realize this is no normal storm. Someone sent this storm. Someone from up there sent this storm down here. And so they begin to cover all their bases and cry out to their gods one by one. Name of God, let's cry out. Maybe we've offended him in some way. And they get through all their gods and nothing changes. And Jonah, Jonah is down. He's down in the depths of the boat. He's sleeping. He's not praying. He's sleeping. And we go, how in the world is he sleeping in the midst of the storm? And the captain has the same question. The captain comes to him and goes, how are you sleeping? And, and maybe he's physically exhausted from running from God. Maybe he's mentally exhausted from trying to legitimize his disobedience. But I think what we're meant to see in Jonah asleep in the middle of this storm is that he's simply apathetic. He's full of indifference And apathy, first of all, apathy to God's mercy and mission. Jonah had been given this opportunity to partake in this incredible story, to go to the very enemies of his people, the only prophet who had been called to another people, and go and say, listen, God is going to show up unless you all turn around and say, if you turn around, there is mercy. But Jonah didn't want to be a part of that story. Jonah was more interested in his own little story and in the way that he wanted his life to be. And so we need an opportunity to participate in this great big story of God's mission and mercy to the Ninevites. He said, I'll take a a pass because he's apathetic to God's mission and his mercy. And I think there's something there for us as the church. We're saved by God's grace. Jesus loves us. Jesus gave his life for us, but now we're called to be representatives of his mercy. We're called to be on mission to reach more people just like we've been reached. But oftentimes you and I get caught up in our own little story, and we're apathetic to the story that God might want to write in our own city. We think that God's mission is not about reaching the nations, but rather God's mission is about making our story go the way we want it. And that's a really tiny story to live in. Let me bring this even further in. When it comes to enemies, and is called to go and show mercy to his enemies, you and I can get so focused on God delivering us from our enemies that we forget that God may want to show mercy to our enemies through us. We sit here and claim no weapon formed against me shall prosper and ignore Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Are we apathetic to the mission and mercy of God like Jonah? Well, something else we see in his apathy, he's apathetic to the effects of his sin on other people. He's apathetic to his, how his sin affects other people. Now, Jonah's living his life. He's making a series of decisions, and you and I live our lives. We make personal choices, and yet Jonah's personal choices have become a wrecking ball for the sailors on that ship, and now their lives are in danger because of his sin and running and rebellion, and I think there's something for us there as a church, but also I think as a culture, because our culture is pretty apathetic to how our decisions affect other people. We're just all living our life and we're kind of growing as we go. But in that, we become numb to how our decisions might bring harm into someone else's life. How our self-centered choices can ruin someone else's day. Now, whether that's when we're driving or whether that's when we have extreme power in organizations, we are often apathetic to how our selfishness, our running, our rebellion can bring harm into other people's lives one of my friends was getting to know someone else and they were building a friendship and they began talking about their past and my friend said well, what about your past like do you have regrets and the other person was like what do you mean regrets and, and my friend was like listen as I look back on my life like I know that Jesus has forgiven me but I, I look back on my life and I've made some really selfish decisions that have hurt other people And as I look at my life, I have done some very selfish, self-centered things that have brought harm to other people's life. What about you? And the person said, well, I try and live my life with no regrets. He goes, I get that. But you've never done something that's hurt someone else and, like, you're not able to own that? And the person was like, no, 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 I don't think about life that way. Everything is a growing experience. My friend was like, yeah, everything's a growing experience, but you're not even considering how your actions might harm someone else. It was as if that person was asleep and numb to how their decisions affected other people. And and it's hard to stomach, but as we look at Jonah, we're meant to look at ourselves and go, how are the choices we're making bringing harm in other people's lives? Our choices about money. Our choices about Sexuality, our silence in situations, our our addiction, our gluttony. We're meant to see Jonah and go, man, I need to step back and think for a minute. Because this guy has no concern for what's happening up top on the deck. He is apathetic and asleep below from his running and rebelling. We hope you're inspired by God's word. What have you learned so far? As you listen, pray about applying it to your life. Let's continue in God's Word. Well, the good news is God is still after Jonah, and God's still after us. And the captain says to Jonah, Get up! Call to your God, and maybe this God will see us and save us. Well, of course God sees them. God's the one who brought the storm as he watched Jonah run away. But what's interesting is the, is the language that the captain use, uses is the very same language that God used in the beginning of the story. The captain says, get up, call to your God. And God said, get up, go to the great city of Nineveh. It's as if God is still pursuing Jonah through the captain's words. And here we have more irony in the story, because the captain who doesn't know Jonah's God is speaking the word of God to Jonah who ignored it. Because God's still pursuing him, even in the captain's words. And Jonah is called to wake up and see his apathy towards the mission of God and the mercy of God and how his decisions are affecting other people. This storm is here, Jonah, because you're running from God. Now, n- n- not every storm that you and I face is a result of running from God, or, nor is it a result of sin, but some are. And this one, in Jonah's life, is it is a direct result of his running god is running him down trying to wake him up from his rebellion and apathy but again god is not pursuing jonah in judgment god is pursuing jonah in mercy because god is merciful if god had judged jonah he would wipe him off the face of the earth but he's pursuing jonah in mercy he wants Jonah to partake in this amazing story of what he's going to do in Nineveh. See, one of the mysteries of God's mercy is that if you experience conviction in your heart about sin, if you feel like God is placing storms in your life to get you to turn around to him, that's actually his mercy, that he doesn't judge you and try and get you and hit your attention and to turn back to him. Romans 1 tells us that part of God's judgment is when he actually lets you go and do your own thing and withholds his conviction from your heart and withholds the storms and just said, you want to go? Go. So if you're experiencing conviction about an area of your life where you feel like God has a storm in your life that's trying to get you to turn back to him, that's his mercy towards you because he wants to bring you into greater purpose in him and deeper relationship with him. Jonah gets up, but he's still silent. And the sailors say, let's cast lots. And casting lots was this ancient way of like rolling the dice and whatever the dice, whoever they pointed to, that's like who's responsible for all this mess. And so they cast lots and it, and it points to Jonah. In verse 8 and 9, They say to him, tell us who is to blame for this trouble we're in. What is your business and where are you from? What is your country and what people are you from? Jonah says, Jonah is asked what his purpose is, what his place is, and what his race is. And he answers them. He says, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of the heavens who made the sea and the dry land. And again, we're meant to see some irony here because Jonah says, I I worship the Lord, but you and I know he's running from the Lord. And and then he goes, the God of the heavens who made the sea and the dry land, I'm trying to run from my God on the sea that he made. Jonah, come on, man, wake up here. He knows this stuff, and yet it hasn't gone deep enough into his heart. But what's interesting is what he says first. I'm a Hebrew. I'm part of the Hebrew people group. And I think there's something there. I think Jonah's deepest self-identity comes from the people group he's part of, not the God who's in relationship with him. His deepest understanding of himself is that he's part of that people group. And in that, we might begin to understand his hesitancy to mission. His hesitancy to go to a group of people who are not part of his people group. Because his greatest devotion is to his nation, not the God who's using his nation to reach all nations. His race is the deepest layer, the deepest layer, of his experience of himself. And that's the only lens that he sees the world through. His greatest pride is the group of people that he's part of, not the God who made him or made his group of people or saved them out of slavery from Egypt. And maybe there's something for us there as well. Because as human beings who have come in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, we are children of God. And when we replace that identity with something else and put something deeper than the love of God for us in Jesus Christ, we too become less functional in God's mission. We become less willing to show mercy to people who are not part of our group. Just like Jonah, we think those people deserve judgment when God gave us mercy. We're hesitant to share the good news with people who are not part of my group because my group is closer to God. And like Jonah, we can run away from that. It's something that only each of us can answer for ourselves, but it is something to consider. Does the love of God in Christ go that deep in your heart that you would be able to say, that is who I am? Well, the the sailors ask Jonah, what did you do? And and it says that he had already told them that he was running from God's presence. One commentator made a little bit of a joke. Like you can imagine Jonah going to the ship and being like, here's my ticket to Tarshish. And they say, is this business or pleasure? Work or personal? And he's like, I've got this God that's calling me to this mission and I'm kind of trying to run away from him and So I'm getting on your boat, and if we can just go out to see if we can do this quick, I might be able to get away from them. And they're like, whatever, just get on board. But in this moment, it clicks with the sailors. They've prayed to every other God, and nothing else has worked. And now it points to Jonah, and they remember that he already told them he was running away from his God's presence, and now that God is pursuing them. And they say, well, what do we have to do to appease your God? What do we got to do to calm this storm down? Because obviously your God is behind this storm. And in verse 12 and 13, Jonah answers them and says, Pick me up and throw me into the sea so that it will calm down for you. For I know that I'm to blame for this great storm that is against you. Throw me in, I'm to blame. Jonah is offering to sacrifice himself. And we still really don't know what's going on in Jonah's heart. Like, if he goes into the water, he's going to go down. And it could be that Jonah is, like, giving up even further, like trying to get away from God and just saying, my life is over, I'm done, I want to go down. Or it could be that Jonah, whose deepest pride is that he's a Hebrew, has come face-to-face with people who are not Hebrews and seen their real humanity. As he's been hiding from his God below the deck, they've been up fighting the storm, calling out to their gods. As he has been apathetic and asleep towards them, they have been concerned about him and the rest of the lives on the boat. He's seeing that maybe the bad guys aren't that bad. And instead of them dying for him, maybe he should be dying for them. Well, it's amazing. He tells them, throw me in. And they don't. They don't. They rode harder to get dry land because they couldn't, but they couldn't because the sea was raging against them more and more. Even when Jonah says, here's how you solve this. Throw me in. They don't. And maybe for the first time, Jonah is up close with someone different than him and seeing their humanity and maybe offering to give himself up, maybe as a substitute. Well, the story winds down. What do we learn about mission, mystery, and mercy? First of all, mission. Jonah had been called to go to a group of people who were not part of God's people, the enemies of God's people. And Jonah abandoned that mission. But God did not. God was still committed to use Jonah to reach people who were not part of his people And show them who God was. And even in the midst of that storm, in the midst of that mess, God was still on a mission to reveal himself through Jonah. Look what happens in verse 16 and 17. The men were seized by great fear of the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. As soon as Jonah goes overboard, the sea calms And these men have a conversion experience. They are turning to Jonah's God in faith after everything's settled. So this is not like a foxhole prayer where it works out and you're like, forget forget God, I'm going to move on. No, they're turning to God after he makes things better. God has used this storm, this mess, Jonah's rebellion, because God was on mission. And God brought these sailors who did not know him. To know him, even in the midst of Jonah's mess and rebellion. God is committed to bring people to know his son, Jesus Christ, and into relationship with him. And my prayer for us is that we would be alive to that story and not get so caught up in our little stories that we ignore and become apathetic to God's mission and not rebel against it, and that we'd find our deepest identity as his people. Because God will continue to be on mission, whether we are or not. But as we see in the story of Jonah, it's a lot better when we align with him. God's mission, but also God's mystery. And maybe the mystery here is not so much God, but our own hearts. One of the most interesting things about Jonah is he has his theology right. He says all the right stuff. And yet deep in his heart is this desire to run and hide from God. And you and I experience that. And though we know we can't get anywhere, it's a mystery why we still think we can. But thank God that he is merciful and that he pursues after us. See, God pursued Jonah when he said no to Nineveh. He pursued him with the storm. And even at the end of the story, God continues to pursue Jonah with a whale. Everybody thinks this story is all about a whale, but the whale is only in two verses. Jonah's in the sea, and the Lord appoints a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. If God had not mercifully sent that whale, Jonah would have drowned. The whale is a sign of God's unbelievable character of mercy in pursuing sinners and rebels. But there's something even more clear in Scripture than this whale. In Matthew 12, Jesus talks about this story. And he says, For as Jonah was in the belly of the huge fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Jonah is a story of God's mercy, but it really points to something greater that God is doing. It really points to God's grander, merciful pursuit of sinners and rebels like you and me. It really points to the mercy that he has shown us through Jesus Christ in his death, in his resurrection. Because where Jonah disobeyed and ran from God Jesus was obedient and submitted to being sent by God. Where Jonah wanted judgment for his enemies, Jesus wanted to bring mercy to the enemies of God. Where Jonah went down to hide, Jesus came down to die. Where Jonah's substituting of himself was a last resort, Jesus came with an intentional mission to lay his life down and bring the mercy of God to you and to me. Where Jonah spent three days in in a whale in darkness because of his sin, Jesus spent three days in the tomb because of our sin. God's merciful pursuit is what we see in the book of Jonah, but his greatest pursuit, his greatest mercy is shown in what Jesus did in the cross and in the tomb and in the resurrection For people who were enemies of God, like you and like me. Jesus Christ came for people who run from God, who hide from God. He went down into the darkness so that when we trust in him, we receive forgiveness. And we become his people. And we live in his love. And we receive his mercy. And God forever views us through the lens of what Jesus has done for us. What a mission. What a mystery. What great mercy we have received in Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to New City Sermon Podcast. For more information, check us out at www.newcdhh.com. We'll see you next week.